Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. As Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris made a mistake by both signing long-term deals with their current respected teams in Ferrari and McLaren, welcome to Nailing the Apex. I'm Tim Haraney, and pleased to be joined to discuss this and a few other little bits along the way from ESPN F1. It's Nate Saunders. What's happening, dude? How are you? Hey, man. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Always a, always a pleasure when we talk. And I think first appearance for a little while. I can't remember when I did it last year, but yeah, always, always love having a chat. Yeah, it's, it has been a while, actually. We didn't even get to talk about like my experience in Hell's Kitchen in Vegas, eating steak and then having issues. And yeah, we just we didn't get to talk about any of that stuff. And we don't <laughs> need to now, but it's been a I mean, while. That's, that's one. That's one for when we see each other in person. That's yeah. the great thing about Formula One. There are some, there are some stories that are the beginning of a podcast story, yes. and there are some that yes. just remain between friends. That's you know, right. In a, in, a <laughs> in the setting of a media center, you know, there's there's yeah, there's plenty of those. Um, I still feel like because I because I went away after Vegas. So Vegas was my last race of the year. I did Vegas, and then I went to see some friends in Tampa. Um, and obviously, the the majority of people in Formula One went on to Abu Dhabi from that point. So I kind of feel like I've got a a lot of Vegas catching up to do with people. Oh yeah because of that because then it, for me it kind of my my i went into my winter break then then everyone else did so i've caught up with a few people back in back in the uk but yeah in terms of just hearing how everyone got on i think my question will be well how was your winter and how was vegas six months ago now <laughs> or whatever it will be by that point so i think so i mean it'll I be like four or five yeah four you, four it, probably I was saying, so like it ended, what was it, mid-November, was it? It was mid-November, Mid-November, right? yeah. So actually, yeah, it'll be coming up to four, won't so, it? Because we'll be end of February in Bahrain. Yes. Yeah. And I was, so, actually, I was going to ask you, are you going to go to uh, New York next week for the Williams thing? No, sadly not. We were planning to, um, but we just looked at the season, and um, I think we're going to just save budget for for the year itself. But some cool events there, um, yeah. Williams, um, and then some other bits happening during the week. Um, which I'm not, I just can't remember if, if the other one I'm thinking of has been confirmed publicly or not. I don't know <laughs> if it's one that we know about, but people don't. Either way, there's a cool event coming next week as yes. well as the Williams event, which I think is public. If it's not yes. public, you heard it here first. Williams. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I think they're doing it. Um, obviously with Logan there, it's a, it makes sense, right? To capitalize on New York a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to be there. Yeah. Nice. It's going to, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Williams invited, sent out the invite like you got, like we all got. And yeah. I was like, yeah, for sure, I can make that happen. It's going to yeah. be Yeah, I mean, I'm really I initially, very enthusiastically, was like, yeah, I'll be there. See you then. Don't, yeah. don't ask me about it again. I'll be there. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. It's all good. All good. <laughs> and then, you know, we, we chatted about it internally and it was like, I can't go. So I was like, guys, I'm sorry, I can't make it. And I was quite, you know, I was quite upset about it because I was like, ah, oh, it's, I love New York as well. New York is a great city to go to. Oh, it's incredible. Um, and I like it when teams lean into their launches a bit better. Yeah. Uh, or I say a bit better when they put a bit of effort in. I mean, there's there's reasons why they can't always do it, but it's nice when there's a feel, you know, there's something to it. Red Bull last year took us to New York um, for the launch of their car, yep. um, and that was when they announced Ford and everything like that. And that was that was, I mean, the event itself was a bit chaotic, but you know, the feel of it being in America, especially with where F1 is right now as well, that was pretty cool. You know, yeah, in terms of the boom in America. 
Yeah, that was an incredible event. It was really cool how big they they blew it up too. I was I was really uh, yeah. I was really exciting to watch that. It was freezing. I mean, it was so cold. I don't know what the weather's like in New York right now, but I think my bones have only just recovered from how cold it was <laughs> that that week. And I, I'm a British guy, so I should be used to the cold. But the cold we have here is so different to the cold you guys have in North America, just generally. It's like it, it it's just a whole different level. We just have miserable rain here. When New York, it was I don't know what the temperature was because it's all in Fahrenheit and so you know, but it was cold. It Bro, was it was freezing. The, I think like a big part of it's the wind, man. Like yeah, but that was that dude, was a huge thing. I, like the wind for me kills me. I, I'm not a weatherman, and I'm not going to be here and sitting here talking about weather. But like, <laughs> but like it's the wind, dude. The wind kills me. But uh, I paid to see you do a weather a weather broadcast before a race. <laughs> just, you know, with, oh the, my with god, the green screen. And like you're like, oh, and there's some moisture coming up, like like on Groundhog Day when he's like, there's moisture coming up from the south. <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be that'd be that should everyone should have to walk past that when they go into the paddock. It'd be the oh man, I'd be a laughing stock. I'd do <laughs> no, it. If you own it, if you own it, I'd do it. I would do it for sure, hundred percent. You know, I would do it. I'd do it absolutely, yeah, <laughs> within reason, obviously. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about Ferrari first. I mean, last week, uh, Charles Leclerc. I mean, inking a, a long term deal with Ferrari. Um, the length, the length in his words were several years. So yeah. his deal was, yeah, his deal was originally uh, set to end at the end of 2024. So at the end of this season, now we'll, we'll start there. And I, you know, if we go back to 2023 Ferrari, uh, you know, it, it was a tough season. I mean, I think the start of 2023, it was a disaster for the team. Uh, They're just very uncompetitive. There was a dramatic sort of reshuffling behind the scenes and you had Mattia Bonotto, who was out as team principal and then in comes Frederick Rasur. And, you know, with the new team principal comes new changes, new philosophies and how to manage and run a race team. Then they had um, this complete overhaul of their aerodynamic philosophy when they got to Spain. And that took time to learn and science, the only driver to score a win all season in Singapore. And he, he actually led Leclerc for most of the driver's championship until the end of it where Leclerc just beat him by, I think it was about six points. If I remember yeah, correctly. It was close, wasn't it, right at the end. Yeah, yeah. It was extremely yeah. close by the two of them. But then as the season started to draw to a close, I mean, you could kind of see that Ferrari was starting to understand their car a little bit more and starting to find their way a little bit. Now Leclerc is like extremely, extremely talented driver but i just wonder that if signing a deal with ferrari that is for quote several years you you know you've really like dude you've shot yourself in the foot in my opinion with a potential move elsewhere once the new engine regulations come into play in in 2026 now granted like we don't know how competitive ferrari is going to be this season or 2025 but we also really don't know just how competitive they will be in 2026 with a new set of regulations. And I think that's the mistake for Leclerc. I think you, you ride out your current deal. You see what's out there. You see what's happening in that driver space. And then I think you do like a one and a one, like you do a one plus an option. And then you, you go into 26 and you see what happens. That's, that's, that's where I think he's really shot himself in the foot, Nate. Yeah, and it is um it's difficult to know exactly how long that deal is. The Italians yeah. uh, the Italian press was suggesting it was through to like 29, weren't they? Saying it was kind of a 5-year deal, <clears throat> which is even longer than Max's deal, which is to 28. Yeah. So that would be, you know, you know, taking it basically to the end of the decade. Um 
which would be pretty remarkable. You're right. I mean, to tie yourself down for that long, I'd be really surprised if those options you mentioned don't exist in this contract. I, I feel like, you know, this kind of deal now, I think drivers and teams both like to put options in just as a safeguard for themselves. A few years ago when Ricardo left McLaren, I spoke to Zach Brown not long after that, and he said his biggest regret that that whole saga had taught him he has to have exit clauses on his side because he basically had to pay Ricardo out fully for those two years. Well, that year, that year that you know that he he um, that he basically gave up on his contract. Some of these options have performance clauses in them, etc., and stuff like that, both for the team and for the driver. You know, if the team isn't able to win a race, I can leave. I think that's what helped Vettel leave Red Bull in twenty fourteen. Um, you know, if I haven't won by you know, summer break, I can I can get out and go and talk to Ferrari as he did and as he ended up um, ended up actually making that switch. So I think for I think Leclerc's deal, deal will be pretty complicated, you know, pretty complex to it for that reason. But you're right, it's it's a strange one because I I mean it is a strange one in the sense of um, the length of it and the fact that it does just mean it's Ferrari or bust for Charles Leclerc for that time. You know, if you don't win the championship there you might not be able to get out of it. You might, as you say, be stuck at a team that in 2026 might, you know, any and any of the teams could, could do this. It's not just Ferrari, but you could be a team that really makes the wrong step somewhere in the next two years developing that, you know, that whole new, you know, the, the new engine, et cetera, yep. the new car. And then boom, you're stuck there. So I think he must have something in his contract that means he can get out at the end of 26. So I think, tw- I think the end, I think 26 is going to be such a fascinating year for the contracts because every driver by then is going to know which team you want to be at. And that team is almost going to have a pick of drivers, I think, who are either trying to maneuver their way out of deals or have the option to get out of deals and say, I want to come race for you. Now, it might end up being Red Bull, who dominate again in 26. And then if you're Leclerc, I think your argument as a counterpoint to it being a mistake would be, well, I'm tying myself down with one of the biggest teams on the grid. You know, if there's any team that can get this next set of regs right, why not Ferrari? Like I know that we're used to Ferrari not being that team, you know, in the last 15 years, but Charles has been there for a while now. And I think there's two things at play here. I think the first one is you're right. All those changes that were made, there were, we started to see that I think there were positive changes. There were positive noises coming out of Ferrari mm-hmm. that maybe we hadn't heard in previous years. So he, he, if you're Leclerc, you're probably looking at it thinking, okay, well, actually, we aren't making the same mistakes that we were making. You know, um, Inaki Rauda, who was the old mm. strategy head, left mm-hmm. as well. The whole new strategy team. And Ferrari last year, to their credit, their strategy calls seemed to be more on point. There were a few things they got wrong, but in 22, it had been every single race. There was just call after call. It was like, what are they doing? And that seems slightly less of a case last year. I think there were still a few where you... Where you they're always a bit of a head-scratching team, aren't they? But I feel like I feel like... That was that turned the corner. So I think that's one thing. But secondly, as well, and I think I think it's, um, and I'll stop talking in a sec because I've just been just been talking at you for <laughs> for five minutes. Um, I think as as Formula One fans and as Formula One media, we can really overlook the pull and the the allure of that narrative and that and that storyline of being the first ferrari driver to win yeah. since 2007 that's a good point. i think that's big for any driver but if you're charles as well and you've been there you know I, I forget the year exactly they signed him to the driver program but he was a teenager when they did that you know he's been he's been in ferrari for as long as he can remember you know they have they've got him to this point they brought him in to formula three they brought him into formula two they brought him into formula one um and so i think that that 
the idea of being that guy, you know, it would be difficult not to be romantic about that idea. Um, and he, I think if he was to say to Charles Leclerc, where do you want to win this championship? I think it'd be, he would say Ferrari, you know, not to say he wouldn't value a championship anywhere. Of course he would. But I think that the, the you add, you add that in and, you know, if Ferrari especially have turned to him and say, it's a long deal or we start looking elsewhere for a guy that we kind of build around, you're like, all right, I'll take the long deal then. Like, let's do this together. You know, there's kind of shades of Schumacher there, mm-hmm. you know, committing for a long time and finally getting the reward of it, you know, after all those, you know, those 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 missed attempts, those disappointing years in the late 90s. So I think there's a bit of that in play as well. And, and Charles, when you talk to him, you can, you know, it's clear as day from the moment he starts talking how much he loves Ferrari and, you know, everything it stands for. So I think that, I think that has probably played on that decision quite a bit. And yeah, he, he seems happy for a guy that hasn't won a, a ton of races lately. He seems pretty happy there, doesn't he? He's not like a driver that I know sometimes people say, oh, he needs to get out of Ferrari. But I feel like a lot of his frustration with that situation is, yes, it's, this is stopping me from winning, but he's also upset that Ferrari can't get it right. Cause he's like, I want to win and I want to win with Ferrari as well. So I think there's a lot going on there. Um, but yeah, to your point, the um, the clauses in it, or the clauses that aren't in it, as it may turn out, will be the really interesting thing to to get into down the line because there may be a situation where Charles like, I need to get out of here. Finally, you know, he might have to kind of yeah. tear those heartstrings out and say, right, I've got to, yeah. I've got to go win somewhere else. So we're not quite there yet, but I feel like another couple of years of Ferrari just not really delivering for him, and I think that that mindset will change for him eventually. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think. You know, one of the things being, you know, the management structure behind the scenes. And I think, you know, you made a good point with 2022. And I mean, obviously, strategy, you know, really killed them a lot that season as well. And, you know, there were moments within that season that I think Leclerc actually had a shot at really, really competing for that championship. Yeah, same. However, the team just falling apart. But I think like also like, you know, from the executive level down, if you go to big Ferrari, it's kind of like I think there's there's just too much meddling from the executive power coming mm. into the team. And I think one of the big things for Leclerc that sort of allows him to make this decision and separates those two divisions from the Scuderia to, you know, the big Ferrari, it's it's, you know, having Mattia Bonotto let go and then you bring in fred vasseur and now vasseur is he's just a racing guy right like he is that's what he is he's he he's been involved in racing for so long that a lot of the other you know a lot of the other crap he just doesn't really allow to kind of seep into a lot of his teams that he's worked for or been a team principal of and i think leclerc just being frustrated with you know, Bonotto and maybe that management structure. And then we saw that turnover where, you know, Ferrari lets him go and, you know, then in comes Fred Vasseur. And I think their relationship, those two is, is solid, right? With mm. Vasseur and Leclerc. And I yeah. think, and it goes I back think if to, it's not for Frederick, Vass- yeah, it goes back a long way. Yeah, man. It goes back it goes to like, juniors. I want to say junior formula days, right? Yeah, I think so. Because I think he, <clears throat> I yeah. think, Vasseur, obviously, a lot of his career was he cut his teeth basically in the junior formula. Like he worked with Lewis and all those guys. So yeah, I think Charles, he and Charles had a had a pretty had a you know pretty strong bond going all that way back. I think if it's not for Frederick Vasseur coming in and being at this team, I 
I really don't see a long-term deal like actually getting done with Charles Leclerc. Yeah, I think that's a, I think honestly I think the Vasseur factor is probably huge in this and um and also I think that beyond the relationship that the two may or may not you know I think that I think you're right you know I think that that, that is there and Leclerc looked at that and was like that's a good appointment we haven't just promoted someone from within Ferrari which Ferrari kind of got in the habit of doing after Domenicali it was Mattiacci um Arriva Bene <clears throat> and then obviously Bonotto all came from different parts of Ferrari or like the Agnelli business but they were all kind of internal they all felt like oh they've just promoted from within you know this is kind of a Ferrari stooge if you want to call it that Vasseur's come in from the outside and he's kind of said look I respect this team I respect its institutions but we've got to get a handle on the things we're not doing well and I think he's just given it a much calmer feel I think this year you know he because he's kind of like that isn't he? he's quite I mean I always find it very difficult to transcribe his 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 English media sessions because he kind of talks in a kind of a mumble and a grumble a little because and and, and I'm that's not his first language so it's not me it's not me criticizing him because I can't I can't speak my I can't speak a second language very well at all so I <laughs> totally you know understand but I think it just it, it I think it just the aura around him the you know the the way he goes about doing things is a lot different to Benotto and and to be honest probably different to how those you know those other guys I mentioned Arriva Bene Mattiacci and probably even Domenicali to a degree when he was boss there so not that Leclerc worked with those guys but just in terms of the culture of the team um so I think you're right mm-hmm. I think that I think that would have played a huge um a huge role in that in that deal and the length of the deal which then you know Nate it, it really leads us on to you know what, what do they do with with Carlos Sainz I mean he from the sounds of things he's been really lobbying for a, a longer term deal at at Ferrari so instead of having like a one year plus an option. It sounds like he wants something like a two year plus an option, maybe even a little bit mm. longer than that. Um, but then on the other side of it for, you know, science, there's rumors that Sauber is interested in trying to snap him up for when Audi comes into to F1. But you know, what, what do they do with Carlos science? Because I, I, I don't know, like if you're just going to sign him up for a one year, then why even bother? Like, well, I think I think with science they know what they've got, and they've got a very good driver. You know, and like you mentioned at the top of the, the top of the episode, um, only driver to win a race that wasn't Red Bull um, last season. Yeah. And in that race, you know, had that really smart drive where he kind of he used Lando to kind of keep the Mercedes guys at bay, if you remember that. Um, so I think I think keeping signs there is is a great option. You've got a really reliable second driver. I don't think, and I don't mean second driver in the in the old conventional sense of Schumacher Barrichello. I mean your second guy that you know across from across from Charles, um, but I totally understand his frustration because I think Ferrari see, do see him as a guy that they can just kind of keep around while Charles there at the team. Um, and if you if you think back to Carlos's earlier career, I mean we heard it from the moment he got free of the Red Bull program, he hated the fact that he was always on kind of these one year deals. You know he'd get like a deal here, and he always would lobby for I want two year deal so that I don't have to sit there, you know, in that season. And and Bottas was the same. Bottas used to just get, get year deal after mm. year deal after year deal. And the impact that had at him at Mercedes was awful. He hated it because it's like you get to race four, five, and people are already asking you, what are you doing next year? So I don't think Carlos will get a one-year deal, but I think that's why he naturally just prefers a longer deal as well. Um, but I I really do think the Audi option for him is 
is a really strong one. You know, you've got Andreas um, Andreas Seidel there. They obviously work together at McLaren. And I do get the sense with science, and I think that you get this, you get this science, you get this science, you get this sense from watching the team, but you also get the the same sense when you talk to people around him. I don't think he can ever truly compete for a championship at Ferrari because I think if that situation were to emerge, I think Leclerc is probably the better driver of the two. I think that's a fair thing to say, but definitely the better qualifier. I think Leclerc's the best qualifier in Formula One. Yes. Um, yeah. Yep. So, so I don't know. I, I think. In terms of talent, he might not quite be in the same place. But even if he was, I think the team in that in that instance would just kind of naturally rally around Leclerc, just given the way they feel about him and given the fact that he is kind of the face of the team. So I think if it, with that in mind, if you're science, you look at Audi coming in with, with Sauber in 26 and you say, I can be the face of that team instead. I can be the guy that goes there. Yeah. And it's like, I'm the... I don't think he was going to go in and say, "I want to be lead driver. Treat me like number one, and treat the other guy like you know, like garbage." But he, you can establish yourself in the in the way that Charles had a five, six, seven year head start at Ferrari to establish himself with that team. So I really think that the Audi yeah, deal is, and that's again that speaks to why he wants a longer deal because if Ferrari is willing to give him the same deal as Leclerc, in your head you're like, okay, they see me on an even keel to him. They see me as the same driver, mm-hmm. and the fact he's not getting that, and the fact that he's but like you say, from everything we're hearing, and I've, I've heard that from a couple of places, he's really pushing for a longer deal than Ferrari really want to give him. You know, yeah. any of us, if that was the same case in any of our jobs, if we said, well, I want this, and and, and your your boss, your, your company turned to you and said, well, actually, we can kind of give you half of that, and there's no guarantees long-term, you'd think, okay, it's not great, is it? It doesn't, it doesn't suggest they're full of confidence in me. Um, so... Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, um, but yeah, but Ferrari keeping him makes sense because he's he's solid. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how yeah. many drivers really, you know, maybe an Albon. I think an Albon would be a really interesting choice to to maybe replace a Science. But also, you've got a really, you know, Science and Leclerc got on very well as well. So I don't think Ferrari really need to upset that. Um, but I think in their head, they're definitely probably thinking, well, if we do get a good car, we don't have to have Science in it. We have to have Leclerc in it. But we don't have to have science in it, and ultimately, that's a difficult mindset for Carlos to to change anytime soon. Yeah, no, I I think you're 100 right with all that. Um, I if if I'm science as a driver, yeah, to have the stability and to have a, a longer term deal, and I've said this on the show before. I mean, it's it's very important. I mean, it keeps you very secure. You understand where you know your 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 job's going to be. You understand that you have a job for the following year is as well. So it, it helps you just focus on, on the racing, but I'm just really interested to see kind of how the season coming up plays out for Carlos, because I mean, he, one of the things that I always notice about him, he's an extremely hard worker. So if he's fallen behind yeah. on something, he always finds a way of, of grinding it out and eventually getting on the same page as the other driver. And he's always been like that. And I, I respect that greatly because it takes a lot of work to, to do that. But I think like one of the things for, for Carlos is just having a good start to the season. Like if you go back to 2022, it was dreadful for him and he had a horrible season and it just didn't get off on the right foot. But if we go back to 2023, Leclerc didn't have the great start to the season, but science actually did. And that kept science within that driver's you know championship ahead of Leclerc and kept him pushing and kept him on top of his game way more. And I think, I think that's what he needs at the same mm. time. And, and, you know, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that, you know, Leclerc is, is like, 
is is balls to the wall like that guy is the fastest over one lap in qualifying and i just think like carlos is a great racing driver like he's just really yeah. great he's got, at managing he's got, he's got that race. brain for it hasn't he that i think i think actually gets overlooked yeah. with him but I, I i really agree with you i think his yeah. racecraft is is actually i think he's in that top collection of drivers for and we haven't had a great chance to see it all that often but you know when we have mm-hmm. he's been able to win with it so so yeah, I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, like, I think if I think it would be smart for Ferrari to hold on to him, um, even because of his feedback. Also, like, I'm like making arguments for why they should be holding on to him, and they probably already know all this. But like, <laughs> hell, I mean, it should be, in my opinion, it's it should be easier to give him a longer term deal because, yeah, he's great at pushing the team forward too. And I think if you're going to have two drivers that are going to be good in 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 certain aspects of a race or a race weekend and they're able to push the team as well. I mean, I mean, you got to keep them on the, on the team. And then if you look over at McLaren, I mean, now you've got Lando Norris, uh, his deal wasn't even up this year. Mm. I mean, he was, he was locked up till 2025. So now he's extended you know, his, his contract as well. Yeah. And again, with terms and conditions, we don't really know how long that is. It sounds like it's going to be a while, but for me, like the mistake for Norris is, not knowing if this team is is really back and headed in the right direction or if last season's turn in performance was a was a blip on the radar nate i mean it's it is a little tough to tell but i i think something in there like really convinced him that this was the right team for him to stick with for the foreseeable future i mean yeah Hundred percent, and I think it just seems like it was a, it was just a smart move, right? Just a smart move by him, I think. In terms of extending, yeah, I think, and I, I honestly as well, I think the McLaren have saved themselves a big headache here. I went two weeks ago, yeah, two or three weeks ago now to 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 Woking to the McLaren uh, headquarters there when they unveiled their livery for the season, and we we had some time with Zach Brown and um, Andreas Seller, and I would say, I mean, I didn't count the questions, but I would say nearly half the questions that both those guys got were kind of about Lando in some way. You know, are you worried Lando's going to leave? Because obviously we've had Red Bull kind of circling for a while. Um, you know, was last year key for, for Lando? Like, can Lando win? It was so Lando-focused. And I think that part of that's because, you know, it was, there's a lot of British media there, you know, from 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 the newspapers. So obviously they're, they're there to get a Lando story. But I think really that was the big nagging story in the back of Zach Brown's head. Um and Lando then did admit to us last week when, when we spoke to him after this deal that there were doubts in his head at the start of last season, you know, about 12 months ago, you know, when they got to Bahrain, had that awful start. And all of us, it was kind of red flags everywhere. It was like, well, this this looks really bad. This looks like a team that's in real trouble. And it almost felt a little bit like McLaren when they first joined Honda, didn't it? We were like, they're so, they're so far off the pace. How have they, it was like they'd made, everyone had kind of made a step forward and it was like, how have they made a step back yeah. this, this far? And obviously, oh, you know, full back. credit to, yeah, like it looked awful. And his body language of his first couple of races, I was, if, if I'd made a bet before that Austrian um, uh, upgrade came in, the one that changed the whole season, I would not have thought mm-hmm. Lando signs another deal with McLaren. There's no way on earth he would have done that. But I think that he... To be honest with you, you can basically copy and paste everything I said about Charles Leclerc and Ferrari and just change Leclerc's name to Norris and change Ferrari to McLaren. Because <laughs> he's kind of he's kind of um he's kind of a product of that team. You know, he's been there for a long time. 
Zach Brown invested in him as a, as a young kid. People are going to be like, this is exactly what he said about McLaren Ferrari. But I think that deep down, Lando had wanted to see that progress from McLaren. He 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 yes. he's wanted to stay there. You know, he's wanted to sign a long deal, and it was almost like, give me a reason to, because when he signed his last extension, that got really criticised. I think it was twenty twenty one, and he extended to this year, didn't he? And I think it was to this year yeah. or maybe to 25. And everyone said the same as similar to what you're hearing with this deal. It was, oh, it's too long. You've tied yourself down to a team that's not doing anything, et cetera, et cetera. And I think before he did that again, he was like, I need to see progress. And it wasn't, it wasn't just a car improvement. I think that the whole structure of that team, Zach Brown's done a fantastic job of, first of all, realizing that they had made a mistake with the, with the structure of the team kind of last year completely almost nuking that and saying, right, we got to start again. Brought Stella in. Obviously, Seidel left. Yeah. I think Seidel leaving did him a big favor because I think Seidel kind of walking away when he did, it just allowed him to be like, right, let's hit the reset button here. And Stella's come in and Stella's had such a positive impact on that team. You know, he's got that energy about him. When you go into the McLaren Media Center, there's just a different feel with him in charge. Um, and I think, and that's not to knock um, Seidel because Seidel obviously you know, has a really good reputation in the paddock. But I think it's just a different style that was needed. And I think Lando really likes that. And everybody's kind of working towards this common goal. And they've seen what, you know, what the end product was last season. And they feel like Red Bull now, they might be far down the road. But I think McLaren now feel like, well, if we make all the right calls this year, we can maybe get them, you know, into 2025. They've obviously got the wind tunnel now as well. So all these things, I think, have come together at the right point. Lando's seen them. And exactly the same with Leclerc. Like, Rather than rather than have all that uncertainty of like, oh, well, what am I going to do at the end of twenty five? He's tied himself down long term. I imagine he'll be able to get out of it if he really needs to down the line. He, you know, there's no guarantees of that, of course. But he's tied himself down, and he's basically put his eggs in the basket of I think McLaren can win the championship. And actually, I think that's potentially a riskier move than Leclerc doing it with Ferrari because Ferrari are going to build their own engines in twenty six. McLaren are taking the Mercedes engines, so. We've seen that that's not always, in the modern era, that's not always been a recipe for success, being a customer team. Um, it's slightly different, obviously, when Red Bull were doing it with Renault, but, but it proves you can do it still. Um, but yeah, so yes. I, I, I don't know. I think I think the deal, the deal made more sense from the McLaren side, to me, than the Norris side, just because, you know, I think with Norris now, he's kind of taken himself out of that conversation for getting himself a better seat if he needs to in 26, let's say, if McLaren's car you know, under the new regs isn't any good. I think like, it's interesting, you know, you, you made a good point. I mean, like during his media availability there on uh, Friday last week, he, he did mention that he, he thinks that wins could be in the cards for, yeah. you know, them this season, maybe not a championship, um, but could have a shot at some legit wins coming up this season. So I, you know, I went back and I took a look at it and I listened to that to his uh, media conference and like, I think some of the things that convinced him, I think you're, you're bang on with a lot of it. I mean, I think it, my opinion, your know, money obviously yeah, yeah. is going to be a convincer for Always sure. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, like, uh, like wind tunnel, you had mentioned, uh, new simulators, um, what, uh, what Stella was able to do in just a few months. Um, he was dropped in last minute to run this team, the new hires. I, th- I think the engineering structure that, yeah, that they've also sort of built up here, right? Like their technical team of uh, Peter Pedromo, uh, and then they were able to go out and get Rob Marshall. He joins from Red Bull, and 
Sanchez came in as well. Time. He'll be, yeah, it's Davis Sanchez from Ferrari as well. Yeah. And I think like seeing all of that, seeing what, what Zach was doing, seeing what Andrea was doing. <clears throat> and also on top of all that, you know, sprinkle in that he had the best season he's ever had last year. Right. And then yep. I think that's, you know, that's the direction that he's looking at and he's putting all those pieces together. And he's saying that this should be the team that I stick with moving forward because I mean, if he's able to get wins this upcoming season, then he's done a masterful job at like mm. you know, really coming up with a great extension at a team that could be, you know, coming back to fight for championships later on down the road. Um, and also there was <clears throat> Red Bull talk. Oh, sorry. You go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, wait, sorry. You, you go. I'll, I'll go after you. I was, I was going to say like for uh, he, he had mentioned about the, the conversations with other teams and yeah. they're, there yeah, had been conversations, the room, but they it? were mostly the like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they were mostly like, like, hey, how are you? Kind of conversations. Yeah, and right. There had always been that that Red Bull talk behind uh, behind the scenes of like, oh, could Lando end up being Max Verstappen's uh, teammate? And he actually, it was Sky Sports, I believe he was talking to about that, where he, he kind of just said he, he it wasn't really something he wanted to do was be Max Verstappen's teammate. Yeah, I honestly, I mean, I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the track record for Max's teammates has been pretty bad. You know, like even even when he's had you know <laughs> Perez now, who's a, it's a really good driver. We all forget he's a really good driver. Ricardo kind of went off the boil towards the end of that time there, obviously in Gasly and Albon. So, I never fully, I'll be honest with you, Tim, I never really bought the idea of Lando going to of going to Red Bull because yeah. you know Max. As, the, as long as Max and Helmut Marko are at the same team, Helmut Marko, his career, really, his, his crowning achievement of his career is finding Max Verstappen. You know, Dietrich Mateschitz found yeah. Vettel, found Ricardo. Helmut Marko, to his, to his credit, found, you know, not found Max, like it wasn't like he found him like, a, you know, <laughs> around the corner. I was like, oh, there's a driver here that's really yeah. good. But he was the one who was like, we've got to, we've got to give him the, the seat at Toro Rosso and he's always kind of hung his hung his hat on that like I got this guy to the team and I feel like that you can kind of see that at Red Bull because other drivers come in and Helmer looks at them it's like well I didn't you know I didn't find you Horner yeah he's not my guy yeah exactly and Helmer Marcus still has huge sway at that team and obviously Max has huge sway within the team and Christian is is massively on board with you know all things Max so you go into that you go into that setting and I just I, realistically I just don't think you can you can go and win a championship there. I mean, if you compare it, for example, to the situation at Mercedes when George Russell went there, look how different the feel around Russell is compared to Bottas when Bottas was there. Because Bottas was not an outsider in, in a negative sense, but he, he came from outside of the program. You know, he came in and Lewis was established. Russell's gone in there and obviously he's had Mercedes backing. He's, he knows the program inside out. And he's been much more successful alongside that. And I don't think as a second driver at Red Bull, you can honestly get that. Unless unless you are like some prodigious talent like Max coming through. But we, there, there isn't one of those on the horizon at the moment, is there? I mean, I know Lawson did okay. and But like, I don't think he's going to go in there and be better than Max. So I always felt like the, the Red Bull stuff probably from Lando was, was in that back pocket of like, okay, look, Red Bull's there. They're interested. And like you said, I don't think they were 
super serious talks, but the reason they all talk to each other is for leverage, isn't it? It's, it's so they can say, well, look, Ferrari said they can, if I went there for two years, they could give me X, Y, Z. So yeah, I think, um, I think Lando's played that fairly well. And to be honest with you, I think Christian Horner let that story leak out into the media. <laughs> you know, he, he wasn't yeah. shy about saying, yeah, Lando's, Lando's talented. We like Lando. Yeah. And I think that he enjoys doing that. You know, there were times during the season when Horner was kind of suggesting, oh, I've heard that, is Lewis going to Ferrari? Like, you know, and he'd just say that. And it's like, you know, he's not going to Ferrari, but you enjoy this, you know, this winds Toto up and you know, saying stuff about Lando is going to wind Zach up. So I think that that, a lot of that is in play there as well. Um, But yeah, I've just never bought that. And I think that um, he's made a sensible call there because also McLaren have extended Piastri, haven't they, until 26 or 27. So, you know, he probably looked at that as well and thought like, you know, this That's kid's the good. other thing with that one, Nate, is yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right, no, and you're probably about to say the same like, thing, but like that, I think that's changed the dynamic of that team a little bit. Not saying it's gone away from Lando. I still think Lando's just where they're both at in their career. Lando is the guy right now, but Piastri's so good. And, you know, so if you suddenly start playing around with your contracts and Zach gets frustrated with you, it's like, all right, fine, Piastri's the guy, you know, whatever. Like, Zach can yeah, easily make that easily. call. He can flip it. He can flip a switch and be like, right, Piastri is the guy that we think is going to win the title now, or, or, or you know that is going to be the guy we we focus on. So yeah, I think that that's I think that's a, a a bit of the puzzle as well that probably probably you know may and and like you mentioned the money probably helped as well and all that stuff, but all those things <laughs> together came together and 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 it's a good time to sign as well. Start of the year, get out of the way. He's done one you know one set of presses and he's never got, he doesn't have to talk about his contract again for a few years. So works out nicely for him. One of the one of the interesting things like that came out from last weekend, something I've been thinking about over the weekend and I you know I was texting you about it, but it's like, you know, we're now seeing that, you know, these teams have become uh, you know, like franchises, and that's something I never yeah. thought I'd ever see in Formula One. I mean, teams being extremely profitable, but we're also seeing like drivers getting uh, like franchise tags, you know, like we're like we see yeah. in other professional sports, you know, you've got your franchise player, like Patrick Mahomes on the, on the Chiefs, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And then if, you know, then you, but you go and you say like, here are these teams and they have a franchise driver. And then the franchise driver is signing these big long-term deals. I mean, you had mentioned off the top, like perfect example of Verstappen, you know, he isn't up until 2028 and yeah. we assume Leclerc is maybe around, you know, 28, 29, Norris probably 26 or could be as long as 28. But I think for, for me, when, you know, when I was coming up in, in racing and I'd said this before we'd hit record, but you'd be lucky if you got like a, a one year plus an option. Yeah. And right. then the higher you the higher you went up that ladder, you know, you'd be lucky if you got an option at all. And then same with, with F1. I remember some of the drivers I knew going race to race in formula one, like race by race. So I think it's, it's a, it's all a a sign on, I think just how important driver stability at teams is, is now in this era of formula one. And it's something I think Nate, like I've never seen anything like this. So it's quite, it's quite surprising. It just feels like it's, it's so important now that teams build their cars around the drivers and then they both grow that together. So it's more of a collaborative relationship than it was in the past. Yeah, hundred percent. And I kind of, I, <clears throat> I mean, we, we were mentioning it just before we hit record, but I think Max's deal that he signed after winning the title in 21 
was through to 28. I remember at the time it was like, whoa, that's enormous yeah. deal. And I think that's changed the whole yeah. face of this driver market because that locked, like you said, I think franchise player is such a good way of putting it. You know, it's it's like, you know, Michael Jordan. You think of Michael Jordan, you think of the Bulls. He stayed there most of his career. Pat Mahomes is a great example as well. You know, Brady, I know he moved at the end to the greatest team on earth, um, but he he stayed, <laughs> he stayed at the Patriots for most of his career, you know, and we... It is bizarre to see. It is bizarre to see that in Formula One. And I think the other thing that's strange is yeah. that even I was thinking back to sort of t- 10, 15 years ago, because I to, to begin with I thought maybe this is a byproduct of I am a firm believer in that this is probably in the modern era. This is the most talent we've had packed onto the Formula One grid for a long time. If you look at it, oh, you know, if you, if you write the names down, you've always got names that you're like they probably don't need to be in Formula One. You know, towards the bottom end of that list but i would say there's about 10 drivers on the grid right now who you're like these guys are top top quality you're really really great drivers and i don't know if formula one's always been that blessed with this much talent and and yet with that happening some teams are acting like there's only a handful of drivers that have that talent do you know what i mean like it feels like the mm-hmm. reaction is the opposite to what you'd expect do you expect a team like mclaren to say all right you don't want to sign a one-year deal that's fine We'll go get Albon. We'll go get. We'll go get signs. We'll, we'll bring signs back. We'll go and see if Lewis wants to come back to McLaren. You know, there's there's so many layers. Or, or like Gasly, Ocon. Like we'll go get one of those guys. Yep. Like yep. you know, they're two race winners. We can go get them. And I feel like it is strange. It's it's almost like this um this golden generation of talent. I feel like a bunch of them could finish their careers and look back and be like, man, I just never had a chance to win because. Or win win titles because they you know they're going to be forced into locking themselves down. If you look at Red Bull, they've got Verstappen, Ferrari have Leclerc, like you mentioned. Mercedes have Lewis and George on shorter deals, but I think if both of those want to stay, I think they will. I think that Toto Wolff yep. sees that team as it's those two guys until until Lewis quits, basically. Yep. And McLaren have tied down Piastri and Lando. So you look what's left: Aston Martin. Let's be honest, Lance Stroll has a contract until. Until he doesn't want to race anymore, I, I don't see any situation where he doesn't race there. Fernando Alonso is in a contract year, but I think if that team's good, he'll say, "Okay, sign me up, take me through to take me through to twenty six. Yeah. Like, what's he got to lose at this yeah. point? So that's five teams where, boom, not really many options. Alpine, you've got Ocon, who I think is a more natural fit of that team. He's been there a while. Gasly might want to stay there. You know, he's out of the Red Bull program. You've got a guy like Albon who wants to get out of Williams and move up the grid. But you look at it and you're like, well, unless he goes back to Red Bull, and we talked about the the merits and the demerits of being Verstappen's teammate, where do you go, Uh, you know, in the short term? So I think that it it is really strange. And even 10, 15 years ago, when you had Lewis, Fernando and, and Vettel, all in, you know, all at that point when, you know, 2010, all those guys were going together. I remember it was, they were all on two year deals. You know, it was all, oh, well, what's this guy going to do a year and a, a year and a bit from now because he's not signed a new contract yet. Mm-hmm. And so even then it wasn't, it wasn't like it is today. And I, I think that that Verstappen deal was the, I think it had been slowly changing. Like we'd seen, you know, Lewis has always signed like a two year deal, for example, like that's always been his thing. It's like two years, two years, two years. And I've actually thought that's quite a smart way to do it. But Max, for these younger drivers as well, that's just completely changed the whole complexion of it. And um, yeah, I mean, hard to see that changing because the reaction is you you then have to sign a long deal yourself. And then that means the next guy signs a long yep. deal and so on and so forth. So yeah, I think that that could be a trend we keep, we see. And, and again, to go back to signs, sorry, I'm going around around about here a little way. 
that could be another argument in science's head for being like, let's just go to Audi. Go to Audi, get yourself a six-year deal there. That might not be possible, right? But go there and say, I want a long deal. I want four years here. And if they are the winning team, you're locked in. You're locked in and you're like, this is great. Yep. You know, no one's going to come in. And, I mean, obviously another driver could come in and be my teammate, but I'm secure here for, you know, for the foreseeable future. So, um, yep. yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all unfolds in the next couple of seasons. Uh, I'm going to give you your podcast back now. Because <laughs> that was that was long, and I managed to get a Tampa Bay Buccaneers plug in there as well, so I'm happy. No, it, you got to do what you got to do, man. I totally yeah. understand. Um, thanks very much so far for uh, you know for your time. Um, I had uh, Eric Van Haren on here last week, and we were talking yeah, about it. the love uh, Eric, love Eric. Good yeah, he's great, man. He's great. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the Visa Cash App RB <laughs> Formula One team, and we're, we were talking about the name, and he had said. Uh, he had said, like, hey, you know, the announcers are going to be, like, saying this name and a lap will already be will be have completed. Um, <laughs> I posted a tweet uh, earlier today about some uh, technical uh, engineering and some trackside assistants they had hired onto their team recently. And, you know, I put that tweet out and I had to – I almost wrote Scuderia Alpha Tauri. And then I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, shit. It's, well, it took me a year to stop calling them Toro Rosso in 2020. You know, I, I it took me a yeah, year right? to get that out of my system. So, I mean, AlphaTauri is going to be difficult. I get a text from a friend of mine, and they were like, "They're like, what the hell is with this name, man?" They're just <laughs> like, "I can't." I guess it's like, I, like I can't, and I'm I'm like I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, my buddy Nate Saunders, he's thinking this could be called V Carb F1 Team, dude. What do you, what are you hearing? What what do you think yeah. this thing's going to be called? Well, I think VCarb will be it. I think um, that is what internally they're calling it. So I, you know, I've been trying to kind of get to the bottom of this story for a while now. Um, and this, this, this name we heard a little bit was thrown around. This racing bulls idea was thrown around yeah. for quite a long time. And I think it was only until about a week before the announcement, they dropped that completely. People thought that RB would stand for racing bulls, but that phrase, that, those two words have not been in any press release. And I was told categorically, it's not racing balls. We don't want anyone calling us racing balls. It's not the team name. So I, <clears throat> I think that's one of the biggest issues with the team is that they've kind of forced you into calling it Visa Cash App because there's no, you can't call it RB because it's a bit too similar to Red Bull. Um, and what does RB mean? You know, RB is just a, an acronym. But internally, when they're talking about this, when they've been throwing it about, they've called it VCARB and when someone told me that on the phone, they said, oh, we're calling it VCARB. It didn't, it, it didn't initially click in my head that it was the acronym. And I was, I, I was saying, I was saying, uh, you know, I said, back, like, sorry, did you say VCAR? Because, you know, I hadn't, it just took me a second to click, like, oh, that's the, that's Visa Cash App Red Bull. Or, sorry, not, not Visa Cash App Red Bull, Visa Cash App RB, you know, in, in an acronym. So I think that that, I mean, unless we hear otherwise, there may well be something else they want to call it. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing Ricardo and Sonoda talk about the team name because I think those two guys, if you're going to have a terrible team name, those are the drivers you want to have to kind of make fun of a <laughs> name and just kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the best way for Red Bull now to go forward with this is to acknowledge everyone hates the name, acknowledge it's an awful name, and just let those two guys have yeah. fun with it. Um, but I think yeah. VCarb, I'd be 100%. surprised if it's anything else because VCarb, I think one of the reasons they didn't give it a secondary name is because it would kind of bury the Visa Cash App thing. People would just be like, oh, we'll call it that. 
Whereas really, VCARB, people say, oh, wh- wh- that's terrible. What does that mean? And you say, well, sorry, it stands for Visa Cash App RB. So you kind of, it kind of, it kind of means that the team name is still that, even if you're not quite calling it. So, um, but it is, it's awful. I mean, it's, it's, it's worse even than the Sauber, the Sauber team, team name, you know, the kick. Cause at least that, cause at least with that, you can call them Sauber if you want to. You know, Salba still means something. Yes. It's still wrapped up in history. Um, but yeah, I, yes. I absolutely hate it. And it's you, you, you know, you mentioned franchises earlier. Like it, it feels a little bit hollow, doesn't it? It feels like okay, well, what is the identity of this team now? Um, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. So V Carb it uh, is, I think, but hard to get excited by that. Just in any way. Miss the old, uh, miss the old Toro Rosso days, man. Yeah, just... it makes you realize what you had, man. When it was just the Italian version yeah. of Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> I told a friend of mine once. I never forget. I told 100%. a friend of mine. Um, I said, "Oh, uh, Toro Rosso is, is just Italian for Red Bull." And he looked Red at me Bull, and he was like, "He said what?" And I said, "Yes, yeah, Toro Rosso is Red Bull in Italian." <laughs> and it looked like I'd blown his mind. He was like, "What on earth?" Like, <laughs> and. Um, but yeah, you know, it was simple. And once you knew that story, you're like, oh, okay, it's Toro Rosso. They're based in Italy. It's operated there. Like, of course it's that. And then Alpha Tower, I didn't like so much. But I was like, but I thought it's still yeah. a brand. It's still a Red Bull owned brand. It's still part of their thing. Um, and I think just finally on the Visa Cash App rant that I think needs to be said is one thing I think we're going to hear a lot of, because I've, I've heard it a bit when I've talked to people at Red Bull, is this kind of idea that Visa and Cash App coming into F1 is this disruptive partnership. It's like they're disruptive, they're hip, they're, they're cool, like all this stuff. And I, and I did say back to those people, I said, no, 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 you're confusing those guys with Red Bull. That is what you guys were when you came into Formula One, and it's what you still are. Like you, you do do things differently from a marketing point of view. When you came into Formula One, you did upset the established order. You, you, know, you completely changed mm-hmm. the way... Formula One is. You've won championships, you bought two teams, you know, you've brought in some of the best drivers in the sport have come through Red Bull. Visa and Cash App are in no way disruptive or different. They're they're paying a lot of money for that deal. Like so fair play, they you know, whatever the the bit the merits of the business still are great. But that messaging it, it just irked me because it's like that's not what they are. They're not disruptive. Everyone has a no one's like when you get a visa out of your pocket, like, oh, what's he gonna do with with that visa, that's such a such an edgy and aloof brand. Like I hope he's I hope he's okay. Whereas Red Bull always had that kind of that cool and underground kind of feel to it. And even today, Red Bull has cultivated that that image of just being different and being, you know, they've got X Games, for example, they've got the Red Bull Air Race, they've got all these different things that no one else does. Visa and Cash App, I think personally, are so far away from what Red Bull stands for that I think that as well. Mm-hmm kind of just makes it difficult to get on board with if red bull had, if red bull had done this with another random company but it was a genuinely disruptive and a genuinely kind of left field company that did things all completely differently to everyone else you think okay i can see where the symmetry here is i can see where one thing led to the next and i never i didn't know dietrich Mateschitz at all like i you know never really i think i spoke to him once like when i saw him at a, at a race yeah. obviously he passed away a couple of years ago it's hard to imagine a guy like that would have been happy seeing that team renamed like that. Like, I'm not saying he he, he would have yeah. been because I don't know. But the fact that he never changed the name to that while he was alive or did any kind of deal like it, it suggests he wouldn't have liked it. So I, I don't know. It just the whole thing kind of leaves a bit of a sour taste for me. Um, 
and it's hard to it's just hard to get away from that really so yeah it is i mean i i would have like i wouldn't have minded like racing bulls or yeah if they reverted back to toro rosso or yeah or something well, like that like go back to the yeah. you know go back to the genesis of the team I, I mean, I'm cool with that. I mean, that was a great name, and I always, I, I hated it when they left Toro Rosso to become, you know, Alpha Tower yeah. and all these others. I did, I didn't like it at all. I, I appreciated what we had, like, like you had said, when we had it. So, and I think that I mean, when the Racing Bulls name came out, I think that was, I think that was quite purposely, <clears throat> purposefully leaked um, last year. Like it got out mm -hmm. into the media, and the reaction to it was similar to what <laughs> the reaction has been to Visa Cash FRB, but. Uh, but if you'd given people a choice and said, do you want it to be called something, something racing bulls or visa cash up RB? If that, if those are the only two options you take racing bulls, <laughs> cause at least it's, at least yeah. it sounds like a, like a racing brand. At least it sounds like something. So yeah, we didn't, we didn't know how good we had it with yeah, racing bulls, did we Tim? We just didn't know we had, we had, yeah, we had like it right Aaron, there. And, yeah. Yeah, like it, it was interesting. Like Nate, like Eric had said something that was really, you know, I didn't really, didn't really kick in because like Red Bull is actually Oracle Red Bull, and like we don't really, yeah, uh, we don't, we don't say Oracle Red Bull Racing Team, right? We we just don't do it. We just say Red Bull Racing or Red Bull or the Red Bulls, and it's like he said for this, it's like you don't, you don't have that, you, know, you can't, like you there, there is no way around. Yeah, any of it. Exactly. Like you have to say Visa Cash App because I think that that's what Visa and Cash App realized. Yeah, Visa and Cash App clearly realized that. Like, so I mean, and you know, you look at <clears throat> MoneyGram had that big deal with Haas. You never call, you never call yeah. the MoneyGram Haas. You know, and, and and all the teams have that kind of deal. So from a business point of view, I think Visa and Cash App have been really smart about this because there's that, like mm -hmm. like you said, there is just no way you can call them anything else. And VCarb is like a is like a it's just kind of a bad solution to a really awful name, but it means that they're always going to be front and center and no one can be like, Oh no. Okay. But it's visa cat. It is visa cash app, but it's actually visa cash app Toro Rosso. Cause everyone would love to call it Toro Rosso again. And even if fans might start doing it, it's like, well, that's not actually the name. So you can't, you can't just start calling it Toro Rosso. You know, like if that was the case, I'd, I'd, I'd be calling, you know, I'd go and be like, well, the Jordan's doing well on the grid today, you know, because always love the Jordan, you know, racing, you know, uh, you know, down the way. So, so yeah, um, yeah, a bit, a bit unedifying <laughs> altogether, but it'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to well, see how it all plays well, out. Before you go, uh, quick thought on, you know, what do you think the season's going to be like? We're coming into. So I've been a bit pessimistic on all the pods I've done. I say all the pods I've done. I've done one other podcast. Okay. Then. So, so you're still in, you're still in special company. <laughs> uh, listening to me, just rant at you for 40 minutes. Um, I, <laughs> you're going to listen to me talk. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Shut up and this is, listen to this me is talk. My time now. Um, I, I have a strong feeling that we're bubbling towards a really, really good moment. Like we had in 2021. But yeah, I don't good. think that's this year. I think that's 2025. I think naturally because of 26, Red Bull are going to be like, wow, is there any, and we saw it with Mercedes, right? Is there much point in us developing this car when we're so far ahead? Let's try and get a jump start where some of those other chasing teams are going to be like, well, let's actually, let's, let's keep pushing because we could catch those guys in 2025. Mm -hmm. And Hopefully this year, I think this year, I think Max is going to win a ton of races this year, to be honest with you, because he's just on a different level at the moment. I mean, his confidence, his ability, yeah. 
and that team, that cut. And the team has, Red Bull has been performing so well just across the board, strategies, pit stops, everything, you know, development, etc. Hard to see that in the space of an off-season completely changing. So I think that Max is going to, Max is going to have it his own way in terms of the championship. I just, I just, I just think that. But I think that what will make the season will be if people, if, if we have more than one race where somebody else wins other than Red Bull, and hopefully we can see at least one or more of McLaren, Mercedes, Aston win, as well as Ferrari. Um, and maybe towards the end of the year, we get to see that. But yeah, my, I'm, I'm just holding fire on all my optimism because I think that it's just so difficult to predict anything else. Maybe, maybe you feel differently, but we've never seen a season like we saw last year with Max. And never. yeah, for that to cool off so quickly without there being any, any, any change to the regulations at this point, there's been nothing, you know, it, and when you look at 2020 to 2021, there was a few little changes, wasn't there, to the cars that did help. Red Bull, there you know, was, kind of yeah. use the use those changes to kind of get get that little bit closer that they needed, and what we ended up getting was an incredible season. We don't really have that yeah. level of this year, so I know it's not the sexiest prediction to make, but I just think we're going to have more of the same. But hopefully, what we're seeing is the foundations being laid for a really really close twenty five. So, kind of a on the fence answer, but I think Max wins a lot, uh, but then hopefully we get we get we get our reward in twenty twenty five. Uh, but what do you think? I mean, do you think I'm being needlessly pessimistic, or do you think that's about about right? No, I think like I don't I don't see it. Like I think we get closer <laughs> racing. I think we get different winners. Uh, I think Hope we so. get the same champion. I, uh, I I think we get like I think Max gets the championship, but I but I think that he'll be pushed a little you know a little bit more than he was obviously last season. That's simply the way I look at it, just because how fast some of these teams were able to like turn their cars around in season. And yeah. now they've got, they've had the winter months. They've got a really good stretch of time to really buckle in and nail down 2024 car and look into the future as well. And so that's why I think that we'll probably get something a little bit closer. I think McLaren's going to make a step. I think, yeah. uh, I'm interested to see what Mercedes does, man. Like, I think like it all just rests <clears throat> on, on those two and maybe Aston Martin and Ferrari, but I, I, I really, I just look at like, what's Mercedes up to, you know, cause yeah. they've got it. They've, this is their, you know, their turnaround. Like they've got to turn everything around, man. And if, it, and if it doesn't work this season. Yeah. Man. I mean, yeah. Like and total it, Wolf, James Allison, you know, signing those deals as well. Well, yeah, and, and again, we were talking about longevity. I mean, Mercedes and Red Bull have been the two teams on the personnel side that have done that really well. Um, but yeah, I think <clears throat> no, you're spot on, and it's 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 kind of amazing, isn't it? How how quickly we've got used to Mercedes not winning because a few years ago, yeah, they were doing what I was just saying Red Bull are doing, winning all the time, and just the idea of them not winning a single race in the season was completely baffling. So yeah, I think out of all the teams. And, and and as well, I mean, I know Lewis divides a lot of opinion, but Lewis Hamilton's such a compelling character to have in Formula One. You know, he's just, you know, as a talent, he's one of the best that we've seen in a long time. He's like Fernando Alonso in that sense. Like, yeah. you, you're you just always yeah. drawn to what him and his teams are doing. And, yeah, so I think if they can get that right, because I think Max V. Lewis was special. It was it was something we we were so privileged to see that, you know, play out. It's annoying the way it ended. Um, with a cloud over it, but if we can get anything close to that, I think we'll be in we'll be in great great shape. But what was it he said last year? It was like we need the best six months development ever. 
to catch just to just to get close to Red Bull. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Bahrain. I think everyone's going to be looking at that. I think Mercedes probably are going to be the one everyone's looking at because I think deep down everyone still thinks Mercedes. If they get it all right, yeah, I think you're spot on. Like they're the guys that should take the fight to Red Bull. But we could be wrong. I mean, McLaren looked good. Ferrari might surprise us, but we've said that before. Um, but yeah, I uh, I actually think Aston will drop I off. Think if it's I, don't like... you, I don't know if you think otherwise, it, but I think really, Aston, yeah, I just. I think hmm. I think they did great last year, and I I, I love the story. But I I don't know. I just I think I think they, there might be a bit of a hangover from that this year. Um, yeah, they've moved into that new, you know, that whole new facility. I don't know. I just yeah. I just think those other teams. It seemed like they they'd got their heads in the right place by kind of mid season last year, and you saw the, you know, the situation start to change. Um, and yeah, so but we'll see. I mean, I've been wrong. I've been very wrong on preseason predictions before. So, so hopefully, this is a case of me being completely wrong across the board. Because if that is the case, then we're going to have a very good season. Uh, Nate, thanks so much for taking the time to do this, well, man. I, I really appreciate it. Um, let well, thanks for listening to me. Can, for... uh, follow you and. Yeah, oh, dude, I love listening to you, man. I listen to you for an hour straight anytime, buddy. You know that. I appreciate it, dude. Uh, let um, everybody let everybody know where they can uh, find your work and uh, where they can follow you on social media. Yep. So I don't just talk; I write for a living as well. So if you want to read, <laughs> you can read it in my voice if you want. Um, I write on ESPN.com forward slash Formula One. So um, all of our F1 news basically is there. I'm on the ESPN Unlapped podcast. Uh, with Katie George and Lawrence Edmondson. And I do a podcast with Lawrence Barreto and Chris Medland called The Paddock, which um, is a bit more, you know, lighthearted, tongue-in-cheek stories from the paddock, but mm -hmm. they're both Formula One. So as you can tell, I love the sound of my own voice because I'm on two pods and I'm, <laughs> I've basically hijacked Tim's podcast here. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, but no, mate, I, I, I love this pod. It's great. It's great to come on. And I'm psyched that you're coming to more races this year. That's awesome news. So, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm it's, really it's excited. I look forward to seeing you and Lawrence in uh, Bahrain. Dude, thanks very much for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. I'm Tim Haraney. If uh, you want more Nailing the Apex, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch past episodes on YouTube as well. We'll be back on Thursday with another new episode. So till then, we'll talk to you all later. <laughs>